Hey, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron, the online pastor here, and today I'm joined by Andrea Howell, our serve director here at New City Church. And Andrea, we just launched a brand new serve initiative called Project Books. Can you share with us a little bit about Project Books? Sure. Well, we are right in the middle of Project Book, and we are really excited about what this means for the students at our partner elementary schools. Both Greenway Parks Elementary students and Idlewild Elementary students will each receive five brand new books. And these books have been chosen by the literacy specialists at their school. They're also going to receive a reading comprehension journal that's been designed especially for students at their school. They're going to receive some fun markers, some writing and it's all going to get packed into a special backpack for them with the school logo. And they'll go home with that. And you know, that's really important when you think about it because literacy is the foundation for students thriving and for communities thriving. And we know that here in Charlotte, there are what's called book deserts. And that means that there are students who live in places where books are just not in circulation at the same rate as other areas. In their home, they can't casually just flip through a book. So by giving them five books, we're able to build a home library for them and we're able to give them tools for engagement because what we hear from educators, what we hear from parents in this year that's been so different is a need for engagement. And so we're excited about that. Um, we're excited to ask you to join us with that. And listen, in the book of Jeremiah, we are told to seek the welfare of the city we live in. And we really believe this is one way we can do that at New City. That's right. Yeah, that's huge. I think it's huge for our community. And it's huge for our city. Can you share with us a little bit about the best ways to find out more information and give to support Project Books? Sure. Well, the best way to get more information is to go to the website at newcity.us slash school spirit. And when you do that, you'll also see that there's a button to give. When you click on that in the drop down menu, choose school spirit and you can contribute and help us give five new books to every one of the students at our partner schools. Absolutely. And here at New City, we don't just want to be a church that gives generously to our city, but we also want to give as an act of worship. And we know that God has called us to be good stewards of what he's entrusted to us and to give back to him in ways of worship today. So if you want to, if you want to take that step and give, you can do so at newcity.us slash give. Now let's continue to worship together. New City Online, come on, let's worship. the world but it couldn't fill me oh man's empty praise treasures of faith are never
Thank you for this breath that you've given us this morning to sing your praises and to worship you and to be with you. So today we exalt you. 
we honor you and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today you'll hear from Travis Janusik, our Ottawa pastor here at New City. He's gonna preach on Matthew 13, the parable of the leaven. So as you have time, go ahead and turn there in your Bible or the New City app. Now here's Travis with the next sermon in Stories Jesus Told. This story Jesus told comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 33 through 34. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good wherever you are, whenever you are. Welcome to New City Online. My name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really thankful to be with you today as we continue our look in this series, The Stories That Jesus Told, looking at these great things called parables, these short stories that he gives us to help us understand more of the character of God, his plan of redemption, and so much more of how we fit into all of that. These stories are so special. They're so important to us because there's no one quite like Jesus. There's no one that tells stories quite like Jesus. And I think we'll start to see that from the parables, even the one we're going to look at today. I, as I've been going through this series, one of the great scenes in the scriptures that, that I love that I think really connects to this idea of the parables comes from the gospel of John. There's a scene where Jesus is talking to the crowds and, and this great division, this great discussion starts happening among them. I want to read it to you real quick here. It says in John chapter 7, when the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, sure, Surely this man is a prophet. Others said he is the Messiah. For the scriptures said that the Messiah will be born of, uh, from the royal line of David. So the crowd was divided and some even wanted him arrested, but no one laid hands on him. And look at this, this next verse. I, I love this part. It says that when the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and the Pharisees, they demanded, why didn't you bring him in? And I just, I love this part right here what this Roman guard says. He says, because we've never heard anyone speak like this before. Well said, Roman guard, well said. The parables and many other instances are just great proofs that there is no one like Jesus, that no one speaks quite like the king. And I'm excited to unpack one of those things that he talks about with today. But before we do that, would you mind, let's open up with just a quick word of prayer before we jump into God's word this morning. Jesus, thanks for speaking like no other. Thanks for being like no other. Thanks for being our king. Jesus, I ask that today that your Holy Spirit would speak through me in such a way to help draw myself and everyone watching closer to you. Thank you for your word. Thanks for gifting it to us. It is our joy to be here and unpack it and read it together. It's in your son's great and matchless name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Got a question for you today, which is, do you like to bake bread? Maybe another question is, do you like to eat fresh baked bread? Well, I know I do. I certainly love to eat fresh baked bread. I'm not much of a baker myself. I prefer to eat it. I'm just thinking about that right now. I'm just craving some Olive Garden breadsticks. But maybe you are. Maybe you're a baker. In fact, I read this really interesting article last week that one of the shortages that happened during COVID was that people were buying an abundance 
of yeast that, that, you know, we're all familiar with the great toilet paper crisis, but one of the other things that went out of, uh, out of stock in a lot of places was yeast because a lot of people were learning to bake their own bread. And so maybe that's you, maybe you love to bake bread, but here's another question for you. It's one completely opposite, completely different question. Have you ever wondered where God is? Have you ever found yourself asking, God, where are you? When are you going to step into a certain situation? I, I'm, I know for certain that I've done this many times, and if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I've even done this recently. I, I see things happening in the world and in my own life, and I, and I wonder, God, where are you? When are you going to act on this stuff? Well, interestingly enough, both of those questions are related and they're connected to one of the parables that we're going to look at today. So if you have a copy of the scripture, or if you want to open up the New City app, it'll be preloaded there for you. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew today. We're going to be in the in chapter 13, where we're going to look at the parable of the leaven. Before we do that, I want to give you just a quick snapshot of kind of where we are in, in this whole gospel and what kind of leads us into this series and, and this ultimate parable of the leaven. Matthew 13 is known as what's called the parabolic discourse. And essentially what that means is that Jesus gives a, a bunch of back-to-back parables that, that he's going to use to teach the crowd, right? And so each one is unique. They, they all teach something a little different, but there's one thing that all of these parables have in common, and that is they all speak about the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, as we'll read today. All but one are actually very short. In fact, the one that we're going to look at today is even just one verse long. But in these short parables, also called micro-parables, what I hope you'll see today is that they're, they're, even though they're short, they're very potent, like, like a very, just a drop of really powerful hot sauce, if you've ever had that, right? Just a tiny drop is all you need. And that's, that's kind of what these remind me of, is that Jesus is going to speak these short micro parables, but they're going to be so rich. They're going to have so much to speak of, this thing called the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Now, I, I could spend a whole nother time talking about what is the kingdom of heaven. We don't have time for that today, but here's, here's what I think is good and important to know as, as we talk about this. A simple way to understand what is the kingdom of heaven, think about it this way. The, the kingdom of heaven is, is all about the rule and the reign of God. Or, or another way that I like to phrase it is, is God's ultimate plan of redemption, right? So when, when we hear Jesus speak things, and we're going to hear him say this today, that the kingdom of heaven is like, what, what we're going to learn is that Jesus is going to teach us what, what God's plan of, of reign and rule in this world and beyond is all about. Last week, if you were with us, you might have remembered that we, we looked at the parable of the mustard seed. It's this tiny little seed. And Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And when it's planted, right, even though the seed is very small, it grows into something very big. And so Jesus teaches us that the king, the kingdom of God, it may seem small, but it will grow into something big. So this parable really focused a lot on the external features of the kingdom that Jesus is, is teaching the crowd here. But today, what we're going to look at in the parable 11 is we're going to look at kind of more of the hidden aspects of the kingdom, the, the inner workings that we may not always see, but once again, will still have huge effects. So I, I, we're going to look at that today. You, 
key thing to remember, though, for this, as we talked about even last week, though, just like the parable of the mustard seed, as we'll see today in the parable of the leaven, that something small can still achieve something very big. In fact, that's our bottom line for today, is that we should never underestimate small faith in the hands of a big God. So let's look at the passage together. If you have a copy of the scripture, it'll be in Matthew 13, verse 33. And I'd love for you to follow along with me if you can. And Jesus speaking to the crowd, he says this. Jesus also used this illustration. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. And even though she put only a little bit of yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. As I said, I, I'm not much of a baker. Uh, you know, give me a Traeger grill or an iron skillet, and uh, man, I, I let me lose. I, I love that, but I, I'm not much of a baker. Um, but I am somewhat familiar with the process, as maybe some of you are, the, the science and the art of baking. Because, uh, of course, as it remains today, as it was 2,000 years ago, bread in this culture was an essential part of life. In fact. People would have eaten it almost on a, on a daily basis for, for the mere act of survival. And so this was a, a parable that certainly would have connected with this crowd because they, they would have known the, the responsibility, the necessity of making bread. If you weren't even responsible for making the bread for your family or your community, you, you at least knew the process and, and could probably step in and do it if you needed to. And, and of course, one of the major aspects of making bread is when you choose to add leaven and yeast into the dough, right? Many of you are probably familiar with this, right? Maybe you've had the chance to make your own dough. Uh, I remember as a kid, one of the things I loved getting to do uh, was when we would have these make-your-own pizza nights, and we'd, we'd make our own dough. And I remember as a kid, you know, you get to spin the dough up, and I had so much fun with it. The hardest part I remember this as a kid, was that when we'd make the dough, you'd add in the, the yeast and all that, you remember what you have to be told? Okay, we have to let it sit for a little bit. We have to let it work and let it rise, right? We, we, we know the difference between bread that has, has leaven it, that it has been risen versus that which has not, right? I have even two examples here. One of these pieces of bread has leaven and yeast in it that has risen, and one has not. And I think you can see clearly which one has leaven and which one does not. So it's, it's a common practice for the people in this time. And so even as Jesus starts to teach us in this parable, right, that when it came time to make a new batch of dough, right, the, the passage tells us here, that there would be three measures of fresh flour. And, and by the way, what that means, that's, that's at least 50 pounds of flour. So we're talking about a lot of flour here. And, and basically what they would do in this culture is that when you would start with a new mixture of dough, you would keep some of the dough from the previous day that had been um, that had been leavened from from years past. Some of this dough went on for years. They would take a portion of it and add it into the new dough, and ultimately it would work and and become leaven the rest of this new dough. And then once again, you kept a little bit of that dough and saved it for the next batch. And so, what's fascinating about how leaven works, how yeast works is that you don't need much. In fact, even in 50 pounds of flour, you could take three to four cups 
uh, of leavened dough and, and put that into your new mixture. And that's all it would take to ultimately help the bread rise and make it fresh like this. Um, I found this really interesting article this past week. A, a man found, he, he was able to bake a, a loaf of bread using yeast that was found in a clay pot in Egypt that was over 4,500 4, years old. They, all right, they, they were able to extract the yeast out and he put it into this batch of dough. And in fact, I've got a picture of, of what this, this dough would have looked like. Right? He made this fresh batch of dough. And it's pretty amazing because what it shows you is that even if yeast that is over 4,000 years old, yeast is powerful. This idea of leaven is a powerful thing. And by the way, if you're curious, I would definitely eat this. Uh, I, I know some of you are like, there's no way I'm eating that. I would definitely eat that. He described it, by the way, as, as one of the best pieces of bread he's ever had in his life. So the crowd would have understood this parable to some degree. And in fact, the Jewish audience that was there, they would have understood this parable even at a deeper level because we see in Scripture that the analogy of of leaven was actually used in other instances throughout Scripture and almost always in a more negative sense. Some of you might recall the story of the Exodus, right? When, when God is using Moses to take the people out of bondage under Pharaoh, there's this scene in Exodus 12 when, when, when the people are about to leave. One of the things that God commands the people to do is, is to celebrate what's called the festival of unleavened bread. And what that meant was that God said, before you leave, I want to make sure that you're not taking anything of the past with you. And that included bread that had been leavened. And so part of the festival meant they would go around their house and if they found any bread that had been leavened, they were to throw it away. They couldn't take it with them because leaven, it, it was an association of something from the past. And God said, I don't want you to bring that leaven with you. We'll, we'll start over. I'll give you something new, but leave that behind. If you jump into the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, when he's speaking to the Corinthians, there was an issue with a particular person in the church who was doing some wrong things. And, and Paul, he used the example using the idea of yeast and leaven again. He said this in 1 Corinthians 5. He said, remember, sin is like a little bit of yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. And so once again, the concept of leaven in both baking bread and in spiritual matters was something that this crowd would have understood. But here's the good thing. In this parable, Jesus is going to use the idea of leaven as something very positive. And I want, I want you to hear the passage again, right? Because it's just so short. But listen to this. It says that Jesus also used this illustration. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman put and used in making bread. Even though she put only a little bit in, three measures in, look at, look at this last part. This is the really important part of this parable. It says that it permeated every part of the dough. You see, the key to understanding this parable, that, that as we continue understanding, as we continue unpacking it, please remember this one thing. The key to understanding this parable is that once leaven is added into new dough, it cannot be stopped. The, the process of leavening, you can't reverse it. Once you start it, it begins to go. It does, And even just a small amount is all it takes to eventually affect the entire mixture. And that is exactly what Jesus is trying to teach us about the kingdom of heaven here, is that God's plan, God's ultimate reign and rule, much like leaven, it cannot be stopped. Much like the parable of the mustard seed that we talked about last week, right? Something that is small 
eventually grows into something big. The kingdom of God and his plan and his process will work much similar to that of, of how we understand leaven to work in new dough, right? That it, it may not be seen. It, it may not even happen right away. But once it's added in, its process is unstoppable. Like a snowball that begins to roll down a hill. That's the message that Jesus starts to teach us about God's ultimate plan, his reign and his rule, his plan of redemption, right? That when we start to think about that God's plan of holiness and righteousness, redemption, grace, love, mercy, forget all of this is unstoppable. There's four things that I believe this parable teaches us about the kingdom of heaven. Four things that we can pull from just one verse, just one verse that Jesus gives us that I believe that equips us as, body, as the body of Christ, as Christians, that helps give us a more Christ-centered perspective on what it means to live in the world as Christ followers. And I want to go over these four things that I think the kingdom teaches us here. First is this. When we think about the kingdom of heaven and, and, its, and its connection to this parable of the leaven, first thing I think Jesus teaches us is that its effects are mysterious and not always seen. I love those moments in life that we, we often call them here at New City, these only God moments, right? These, these things that are visible, these things that God does in our lives, whether that's in our relationships or in, in the way that he provides, right? We, we love to celebrate these things called only God moments where it's just clear like, wow, that was God. That, that was only God could have done something like that. I, I love to hear these stories. But you know what's encouraging is that when we hear even a parable like this is that God's work even goes beyond what we see. God's plan, uh, the things that he does, it, it infiltrates all aspects of our lives, and oftentimes we don't even see it. And that's what the, one of the great things about this parable is that it says that the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's, it's mysterious. It's not always seen, right? But we know that it's there. Second thing that this thing teaches us it's that its effects are not immediate. Just like, as I said, when I was a kid, you know, learning to bake pizza, you know, we have to let things rise. We have to let it work. This is, this is definitely a struggle for me because I, I don't know about you, but I find myself often wanting God to act on my time. I come to a conclusion, I create an argument in my head, and I'm like, well, surely now God needs to act on my time. And yet this parable teaches us that's not how God works. That, that in fact, the scriptures teach us that God's timing is perfect. I, uh, one of my favorite verses, it's, but it's also a very challenging verse to me, comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. And the author writes this, he says that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. The, the effects of the kingdom of heaven may not be immediate, but they, let, please hear this, that, that its timing is perfect and that God works it in the way that he knows best. That's number two. So the effects are mysterious. The effects are not always immediate. And the third thing here, as we've already talked about, the effects of the kingdom are unstoppable. It's pretty fascinating. In the original language that, that Matthew would have written this in, the, the verbiage actually indicates that it's not that the kingdom will start, 
No, no, no. It's that the kingdom have started. Now, it may not be complete yet, but, but Matthew here, he teaches us that the kingdom of God has started and it will not be stopped, right? Which leads us to our last thing here, our, our, the fourth thing here that teaches us about the kingdom of heaven. The most important part is that the effects will eventually be complete. This is the one that's most encouraging to me, and I hope it is for you as well, to know Right the, to, to hear the statement that the kingdom of God will eventually come to fruition, that God's plan of redemption and grace and love, that his plans for us will eventually come true. I hope that brings you some sense of peace and comfort to know that the life that we have, this is not it, that God is not done, that God has so much more in store for us. There's this, uh, I love in the gospel of John, Jesus is talking to his disciples and, and he's telling them about what's going to happen. He tells them that, hey, guys, just so you know, somebody's going to betray me. I'm going to be led to my death. All these things are going to happen. And the, the disciples become worried, as, as I would have been too. But he makes this great statement, right, that I know some of you might be familiar with. He, he looks at me and says, but fear not. Trust in me. Trust also in God. And he makes this great statement. And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then he says this, and I will come back for you. This is not the end. God's plan is not done. And this is where I hope the parable begins to leave each of us today. This is a parable of hope. This is a parable of hope that is rooted in confidence and joy. Because you see, it not, not only does it describe aspects of God's plan, not only does it teach us some of the nature which is this kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, but it's also an edification to us. It serves as a way of equipping us that know Jesus personally to know things about it, to know this aspects of it. Because when we stop to think about the imagery here, just, just consider the parable again, right? That we have a bread maker, we have God as our bread maker. We have the leaven, the leaven which represents his kingdom, his power, his authority, his love, and his grace, and he puts it into the unleavened world, right? To stop and think about that imagery for a moment, we can begin to find hope. We can begin to find confidence and peace and joy and trusting in his ultimate goodness and his power. And, his, and we, we have to remember that that as we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we talk about his reign, that God's ultimate desire, his number one plan is to redeem and restore people back to himself. That's God's greatest desire, is that all of us would come to know him personally through faith. And it begins with the person of Jesus. This parable and, and all the others, they speak a lot of about the, the what of the kingdom, right? We, we heard a lot about what the kingdom is like. But remember this, Jesus is the how. Jesus is the how of the kingdom because everything flows through him. It all has to go through Jesus. You see, the, the greatest barrier to the kingdom of God, the, the, the number one wall, the number one thing that keeps the kingdom of God from being achieved is the sins of the world. And here's the great news, though, is that Jesus took on the sins of the world. Jesus defeated sin. Jesus defeated death. He overcame all of that, that when we place our faith in Christ, we are rescued from the barrier of sin. 
right? This is the, this is the beauty of the gospel message right here, right? That when, when we trust that Christ lived a sinless life, that he went to the cross on our behalf, that he died in our place for the forgiveness of our sins, and we, and we trust that he rose from the dead, that barrier is removed. And this idea of the kingdom coming to work even in us begins. Here's what's fascinating is we consider the example of the yeast, by the way. Salvation? Yeast is not a good example for what salvation is because you see, salvation is instant. When we place our faith in Christ, the, the Scriptures teaches us that that's an instant moment, that we are instantly brought into relationship, an eternal relationship with Christ. But here is what's really interesting is that as the Spirit of Christ then lives in us, that it is similar to like you said, that Christ begins to work on us. He changes us from the inside out. And look, I'm still being changed. I still feel this in myself. I feel, even though I am a new person in Christ, that God is still working in my life. God works in our lives much like leaven does in new dough because remember, God is all about taking something that seems insignificant and small and magnifying it into something greater. I, I read this great quote from a guy named Klein Snodgrass and, and he speaking about the parable and what it means to our lives. This is what he said. He said, many people know the insignificant beginnings in their lives that God has brought to completion, right? That dynamic is part of life. And it should be savored and protected both for ourselves and others. And he says this, confidence and hope are the result of the parable. If people are given over to God's purposes, small beginnings still come to fruition. Amen to that. I appreciate that quote so much. I don't know if you relate to that quote, but the more I think about it, the more I realize how much I appreciate it and I connect with this quote. You know, it amazes me that even at this very moment, I'm sitting here right now, recording this, talking to you to hear this message of God, right? As, as I consider my own story, that I'm a kid from a broken, dysfunctional family. I'm a kid that has made more mistakes in life that have hurt myself and others than I care to ever really mention. And yet, God looked at me something different. He, he chose to work in my heart to change me from the inside out and put me into the world to go and proclaim the good news of his son, Jesus. It's something that I savor. My hope is that you would see this in you as well, that you would see how God would see you, that God wants to do great things in all of us, regardless of what that may be. And he proves that through the person of Jesus. So here's my challenge as we begin to wrap up today. You know, we live in an unleavened world. We live in a world that, that needs to hear the good news of Jesus. Just, just turn on anything, and you can find there's always something going on in this world, a world that needs to hear it. And Jesus has called us to be a part of that process. Would, would we trust God? Would we trust God enough to put us into the lives, to help demonstrate that love of Christ to people? And it first begins with us. It, it first begins in our faith in Christ. And then realizing that in our faith, as we grow and continue to trust in Christ, that he puts us like leaven into the world to begin to change it. So here's two questions that I want to close with today as we, as we consider this parable, as we find the hope and the joy in it. The first one is this. Am I trusting in the mighty plan of God? 
Do, do I trust that God's plan is like that of leaven being put into dough? Do I trust that God is ultimate in control? This is hard sometimes. This, this is really hard because we, we oftentimes just don't see it the way that we want to. But Jesus gives us the assurance here that, trust me, I'm in control. That's the first question. The second one is this. Would I have faith enough? Would I have the faith enough to trust in God to use me as leaven in this world? You know, I think the struggle for me when I, I ask myself that question is, I think what I realize is that oftentimes I like my own little mixture. I, I oftentimes don't want to be put in other areas. That I, I'd rather be mixed with similar type dough, and yet God says, I know that, but I need you elsewhere. I need to put you in areas. Are we trusting God? Would you be so bold as to say, God, would you put me in places to help spread your message? Would you put me in people's lives that, that it may be difficult and hard and challenging, but I still am trusting that ultimately your plan succeeds? God, show me the way to demonstrate your love to people this week. Would you have the faith to do that? And remember, as our bottom line today, that as we think about that, Never underestimate small faith in the hands of a big God. To him alone be the glory. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I, I look at the world, I see how much of your love is needed in it. And Father, I feel discouraged sometimes. Sometimes I even feel angry. But yet, Father, when I put on your lens, I, I see opportunity. And Jesus, I, I want to thank you for first being the necessary part of my life to change me, to, to make me into the person that I am. I thank you for that. And Jesus, I pray that, that we as the church would learn to trust you in a way that, that you would use us into, into the world to help spread the goodness of your son Jesus and what he's done for us. Father, may we trust in the mighty hands and the mighty plan of who you are that you did this for us. You did this to redeem us and the world back to yourself. Father, thank you for all those today. May you be with them this week. Bless us, guide us, and show us the goodness of your love. And we love you and we thank you. Amen. It won't be long We will behold him And every tear he'll find and we'll be at home The war will be over Soon we will meet our Savior face to face And all our worship will belong to you Thanks for worshiping with us today. If you would, wherever you are, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Have a great week, New City.